Hi there, everyone. It's such a privilege to be back again sharing with you this all-important topic of identity formation. We've been dealing with the identity rehab and really exploring how identity is actually formed and how it's maintained, particularly Christ-like identity. I want to encourage you to embrace this message because it actually affects all of life. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this revelation. Thank you for what you are speaking to us, what you're imparting to us. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. You are a teacher. Come and teach us. Come and equip us, Lord, so that our family lives change, so that our family lives are transformed and that we grow in Christ and in Christ-likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I began to share with you four different dynamics that take place in families in particular in order to transform the identity of children. And as parents, we have such power in shaping their identity. I also encourage you to reflect on this if you're a counselor, if you're someone who's involved in helping families become transformed, if you're a person who's just reflecting on their lives and your upbringing and the pain that you went through and you want to see what the gaps, cracks and leakages are in your life. Um, at a point, God heals us. And it's usually that point of realization of these gaps, these cracks, these leakages. We then ask for forgiveness. We forgive other people. And it's so powerful where he takes us from there. So I want to share with you the fifth one. And it's to do with self-esteem. It's to do with self-esteem. And I want to share with you six pillars of self-esteem. And we'll see how far we go. And we've got lots of time. We'll just carry on next week, depending on how far we go this week. Well, let's talk about self-esteem. Some people think that self-esteem is this thing that just happens. It doesn't just happen. God has literally placed children into families so that parents play a role in building the self-esteem of that particular child. Simple as that. And I know many people think, oh, but we get our self-esteem ultimately from God. Why do we have to worry about people? Well, the fact of the matter is that People see us in a certain way and then we internalize how they see us. If they see us in the same way that God sees us, it helps us. It helps build our self-esteem. Okay, Children see parents as almost godlike, don't they? Right. And if you say to your kids, you're great, you're amazing, they tend to internalize that. They come to a place that psychologists call emotional object constancy. Okay. Uh, if, they've, if they've shown that emotional attachment from parents, that nurturing, they internalize it and then they don't need that affirmation anymore. It's now internalized within them. That's emotional object constancy. Okay. And they grow up to be adults that are mature, that are self-confident. So let's unpack this a little bit. Ultimately, our self-esteem should be rooted in God and how he sees us. But our loved ones play a crucial role in helping us to see ourselves as God sees us. Okay, so I have to be constantly thinking, how does God see my wife? What is he saying about Tracy right now? And how I treat her, how I relate to her should be reinforcing how God sees her and how God relates to her. Sad thing is in many families, we're doing the very opposite of what God is doing in the life of that particular person. Okay, uh, this is so important. So this message applies to you in the home and also at work and also at church where you might be mentoring people and helping people in terms of their self-esteem. People become how they are viewed 
by authority figures whom they respect and admire after five years. They literally internalize how they're viewed by those people, okay? Anyone who's a leader plays a significant role in enhancing other people's self-esteem. What are you doing for the esteem of the people who follow your leadership? Okay, the people who are under you, have they grown as people? You see, leadership is not just about getting results through people. Okay, leadership is also to do with making sure the people who are around you grow as people. Are they more confident? Okay, are they launching out? Right, would they otherwise not have launched out if they were not with you? Okay, are they becoming better versions of themselves? Right? When you're a leader, you're called to develop people's esteem. It's so important to understand that. Okay? People become how they are seen by authority figures whom they respect and admire after five years of working with those particular people. So important to understand that. Okay? So self-esteem is a sense of worth and it's also a sense of dignity. Right? That is built up in someone. It's the feeling that you're significant. That feeling of, I matter. Okay, So I know that God loves me. I know that God cares about me. But the people around me help me to feel those feelings. To feel God's delight in me. I know He delights in me. But you will help me feel His delight in how you relate to me. Okay, so they're behaviors that enhance the self-esteem of others and they're behaviors that erode it in others. Listen to your children. Stop finishing their sentences, right? Um, you know, often we finish off their sentences for them, okay? It's like, I know what you're already thinking. Often we brush them off, okay? We must be careful. Be fully present when you have conversations with them. And when you do that, you're teaching them to do that to other people. That's how you show respect, okay? One of the things I do with my boys is if they interrupt each other, I like to remind them that so-and-so, your brother was still speaking, okay? Let them finish off what they have to say. Why? It teaches them that in life, they need to do the same to other people, okay? So that's so, so important, right? Um, a few years ago, um, quite a number of years ago, actually, I remember counseling a young girl and she was in a situation where her mom had sent her to me because she struggled with social phobia. Okay, that's extreme shyness, right? It's not a good thing. And uh, as I asked more than two questions deep, I noticed something interesting. Uh, she began to say to me, um, my mom uh, talks on my behalf, all right? You know those parents, when people come and visit and uh, they ask uh, the daughter, uh, what sports do you do? And the mom pipes in, oh, she's now playing tennis. She gave up ballet because of ABCD. And the child doesn't have a chance to respond. After some time, this child becomes lazy. They become lazy because they know that my mom will always answer for me. Or they lose that self-confidence because they start thinking to themselves, you know what? I can't answer perfectly. So mom will do it. There's obviously something wrong with how I speak to people. Mom will do it for me. I even see couples doing this uh, to each other. Remember, your personality is formed in those first 10 years of your life. So we learn these behaviors uh, as we are growing up. And when you figure out how the behavior was learned, it becomes easier for you to unlearn it. And what is interesting for me was with this young girl, that her sister had the same issue. 
okay? She also had this social phobia issue, okay? Um, so when you find two kids with exactly the same issue, you know it's probably stemming from the parents, all right? So esteem is very important and we play a role as social architects in building people's esteem around us. Your spouse's esteem, your child's esteem, so important. So my question to you is, how is your behavior right now affecting the esteem of your children? Okay, and how did your parents' behavior affect your self-esteem? All right, I like what Nathaniel Brandon said, that self-esteem is the disposition to experience oneself as competent to cope with the basic challenges of life and as worthy of happiness. Isn't that powerful? Self-esteem is the disposition to experience oneself as competent to cope with the basic challenges of life and as worthy of happiness. You know, a lot of people struggle with enjoying something, you know, with feeling pleasure. They feel guilty when they're enjoying doing something, okay? In the Collins Dictionary, it's described as respect for or a favorable opinion of oneself. A favorable opinion of oneself, right? When you think positive thoughts about yourself, you tend to do positive things. When you think inferior thoughts about yourself, you tend to act inferior. You end up doing inferior things, okay? Often your children will internalize how you view them. And this can work negatively or positively for you. They internalize how you view them. And it can work negatively or positively. Okay? So think about these things and reflect on them. Right? Now, <clears throat> like I said, I'm going to share with you six dimensions of self-esteem. Because some people are very self-confident and they think self-esteem is just to do with that. Right? but they're not self-accepting, okay? They don't accept themselves for who they are, right? I wanna share with you these six dimensions and we'll keep going deeper. I'm also going to uh, share with you what the word of God says about each dimension of self-esteem. And then I'm gonna give you some practical homework to do, practical things that you can do as esteem builders that will help you to build the esteem of the people around you. So it's very practical, it's practical assignments. The first dimension of self-esteem is self-efficacy. This is similar to self-confidence, it's not exactly self-confidence, okay? So this is a sense of confidence in one's own competence, okay? Uh, it's self-validation. This is one of the marks of an adult. An adult can self-validate. I can give a talk, I can give a presentation, I can think to myself, that was okay, that was good, oh, that was bad, right? Mm you find that someone hasn't truly matured if they always need to be validated for every single thing that they do, okay? They haven't fully matured. So for example, um, you find some people go to work with a blank slate, okay? They've got a new hairstyle, they go, they, but they've got a blank slate. They go with that new hairstyle. No one compliments them, and what do they do? They go home and they shave the head bald. Literally, they shave the head bald because it's like no one said anything positive to me. They give a presentation and they're so anxious until their boss says to them, well done, well done, son, well done, son, okay? That's a sign of immaturity because one of the marks of being an adult is self-efficacy, your belief about your ability, okay? So it's confidence in the face of life's challenges. It's that sense of, I've got this, we can handle it, it's going to be okay, we can do this. Okay, and it causes you to launch out and do amazing things. The sad thing is a lot of people grow up into being an adult 
and they don't have this in their lives. They don't feel confident. Now, here's the key thing about a Christian in terms of our Christian identity. Our competence is in Christ. Simple as that. Our competence is in Christ. It's not in our own ability. Okay. In John 14, verse 12, it says, Very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. See, Jesus was not insecure. So Jesus could say that to us, right? You guys, if you just believe in me, you will do greater things than what you see me doing right now. Isn't that amazing for our sense of self-efficacy, our belief about our ability, that Lord, all I need to do is believing. That's the work. That's the work of the believer. I just need to believe in Jesus, right? The finished work on Calvary. And look what I can end up doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, Jesus, um, this, is, this is Paul speaking. He says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Okay, so in order for me to experience the fullness of the power of God in my life, I need to walk in humility and I mustn't be boasting in the flesh. No flesh shall boast or glory in God's presence, but I must trust in the Spirit's power. Isn't that powerful? Okay, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, but he said to me, this is where Paul was praying, uh, remove this thorn of flesh from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, I can experience God's perfect power if I make myself weak before him. If I strive in my own strength, I'm actually diluting the power of God in my life. That's the technology of spiritual power, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, many of us don't experience this power in our lives because we're boasting in our own strength. All right. Now, with the people around you, people you might be mentoring, people you are working with, uh, it might be your spouse, uh, it might be your children. Okay. What are some esteem builders? In other words, what can you do to help them to feel competent? Okay, this is what they would be saying to you if they were aware of this. They would be saying this to you. When you remind me of my calling and unique design, when you remind me of who I am in God, you're actually boosting my self-efficacy. Okay, when you verbally acknowledge my capability and achievements, when was the last time you did that? Okay, when you ask my opinion on difficult matters, when did you last ask, your spouse's opinion on difficult matters? When did you seek your child's advice concerning a particular thing? Okay, uh, you boost their confidence that way, right? When you ask me to do things that are too difficult for you, how many of you struggle when it comes to asking for help? Okay, you, you struggle with that, right? Um, you boost the people around you in their self-efficacy when you say, please, can you help me? to do this. I trust in your competence. At a certain point, they begin to internalize this, you know. Uh, when you don't micromanage me, 
when you demonstrate that you trust my ability and judgment calls. I love it when my wife says, you know what? I trust your judgment. You'll make a wise decision. You're wise. You'll know what to do. Okay. I also often say that to her. My love, I know you're probably going to phone me and ask me, uh, should I choose this one or should I choose that one? And I just say to her, go with your judgment call. Feel free because I know you're a wise woman. So important. When you don't hover after having made a request. You know those bosses who ask you to do something and then two minutes later, have you done it? Have you done it? Have you done it? Okay. How do you end up feeling? I know a number of people who lost their confidence when they were working under certain people. Okay. Um, this is so important. When you ask me once and trust that I can and will do it, okay? When you don't have a plan B after asking me to do something, okay? When you wait for me to ask for your help instead of just taking over, all right? Sometimes we smother the people around us and they end up feeling so incompetent. When you are gracious and non-critical, you know those people, it's actually a type of bully. It's actually a type of bully where you can't do anything right. Okay, because they're, they're called the constant critic. They're always criticizing you. You know, it's either too big, too small, uh, too blue, too red. Okay, you can never do anything right. When you make suggestions and don't bark commands, when you trust me with something that you usually like to control, when you appreciate my hard work. Okay, a powerful project that you can do in terms of a self-confidence or self-efficacy project is make a list of their abilities. It could be your child's ability. It could be your spouse's ability. Make a list of their abilities and the good deeds that they've done to date. Just make a list of them. And then afterwards, communicate creatively how you have benefited from these. Okay, when you when you do such and such for me and for the kids, I've really benefited from it because it frees me up to do what I need to do. It's such a powerful way of uh, building someone's self-esteem in this particular area, in their self-efficacy, okay? Then purchase a gift to specifically appreciate them for their contribution. See, often we do favors for people, we give them gifts, we do nice things, but we don't attach it to certain things. And sometimes it's a powerful way of communicating appreciation. It could be to your personal assistant or secretary where you want to communicate their competence and boost their esteem. Okay. Ask for their input and listen without controlling the conversation. A lot of us think we're good listeners, but we often control the conversation. Ask them to do something for you that you usually like to be in control of. That's a very powerful project to just work on. To say, I'm boosting this person's esteem. And you know what? People live out how they see themselves. That's what happens. Those kids you have right now, they will grow up to be confident adults, okay, who live out their self-competence, okay? They live out their self-concept. Secondly, let's talk about the second pillar of self-esteem and it's self-respect. How do you reinforce self-respect? This is the assurance of my value. This is an affirmative attitude toward my right to live and be happy. Okay, It's comfort in appropriately asserting my thoughts, my wants, and my needs. It's the feeling that joy, uh, feeling of that joy and that sense of fulfillment and feeling that these are my natural birthright. Okay? So let's see this in scripture. Let's see this in scripture. This is so important. Uh, turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 17, 
Psalm 17, verse 8. The Bible here says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Now, when the Bible speaks of apple there, it's basically talking about pupil, okay? The apple of his eye. It's also talking about middle, okay? So we are the apple of God's eye. That's how God sees us. That's how God cherishes us. I love that word cherish, where you treasure someone or something, okay? That's the respect God gives us. He esteems us highly. Isn't that powerful? We must do the same to the people around us, okay? Look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 it says here so we say with confidence the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can mere mortals do to me you see when you lose your sense of self-respect right you end up putting people on pedestals but when you understand the otherness of god how great how mighty he is and how teeny weeny human beings are in comparison to god you start seeing people aright Okay, and you also start respecting yourself a bit more. Okay, so to the degree to which we are afraid of other human beings, we lose that sense of self respect. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, this is an angel speaking to Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I've been sent to you. Okay, and when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. But Daniel here is described as highly esteemed. So because God respects us, because God esteems us highly, he esteems you highly, you can also do that to the people around you. They're created in God's image. And so you can reinforce that sense of self-respect in them because God respects us as human beings. Isn't that powerful? The Holy Spirit doesn't bulldoze over you. The Holy Spirit is such a gentleman. Why can't you respect the people around you? The more you show them that respect, the more likely they are to internalize it. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20, the Bible says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? God has respected us so much that he's actually allowed his spirit to dwell in us. And he says, you know what? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So respect your body. Respect your body. Right? So he's speaking an affirming word concerning our self-respect. Okay? Whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay? So those are powerful scriptures that reinforce a sense of self-respect. You look at some people today and you see the way they treat their own bodies, what they do, and you think to yourself, doesn't she respect herself? How can she dress like that? Doesn't she respect herself? And how does God deal with it? He basically says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. So internalize that and start respecting yourself. Now, how do I boost someone's sense of self-respect. Here's some esteem builders. This is what they would say to me, right? If they were conscious of this principle. When you tell me what's coming up on your schedule, if it impacts me, it boosts my sense of self-respect. Why? Because I feel respected by you. And we fail to do this very often with our kids, okay? We just carry on, do whatever we're doing and so on. And the kids are there asking us, what's happening? What's about to happen? Oh, we're suddenly going here. Oh, we're suddenly going there, okay? Inform them. Inform them. I like to prime people around me concerning what's going to impact them, okay? It helps them to respect themselves. 
when you communicate when you're running late, when you respond timelessly to my WhatsApps, my emails, or my missed calls, as opposed to just saying, oh, it's just one of the kids. Ah, oh, it's my wife, she'll understand. No, we must communicate honor. We must communicate honor. One of the ways I like to show uh, honor to my wife and respect to her is I like her to be the first to know when there's good news in my life. When I've had some breakthrough business-wise or something amazing is happening, I could be talking to someone else, but I say, you know what? This is really exciting. I have to wait until my wife is ready. I can't get hold of her at the moment, but she needs to be the first to know. So I can't tell you. Okay. Um, when you don't take me for granted by procrastinating. Okay. Many people are in marriages today where they feel second best. They feel like, you know what? When my husband has to do something for his siblings or for his parents, he's so quick. He's so quick to do it. But when I ask him to do something for myself, for me, uh, he procrastinates. Let's honor the people we say we care about the most. And here's a project that's so powerful. Okay. List the things you do that sometimes make your spouse or children feel disrespected and then stop doing those things. Okay. And get feedback from them. Hey guys, when do you feel disrespected by me? Okay. Get feedback from them. Be open to the feedback because sometimes we've got blind spots in these areas. List the things your children or those you mentor do that demonstrate a lack of self-respect where it shows you that this person doesn't respect himself. Okay, look at his room. It's awful. It's filthy. Maybe it's a sign of lack of self-respect. I like to say that to my children. If they are untidy, I say, guys, you're disrespecting your environment. It's a form of self-respect. Okay, how you are around the house shows people the degree to which you respect yourself. Simple as that. Okay, do you respect yourself enough to keep appointments with yourself? Okay, or are you always canceling on yourself? You know, there's some people, they don't cancel on anyone else, all right, but themselves. Okay, don't keep canceling appointments you have with yourself. Be willing to say things like, guys, sorry, I can't meet with you. I'm reading that book that Paul recommended so that I'm developing myself and I need to follow through on that. I respect myself too much to keep canceling on myself, okay? I mustn't cancel on myself, okay? Uh, I'm better for you. I'm better use for you and better value to the world around me when I work on myself. Your personal development is the best gift you can give the people around you, okay? What can you do or say to them to minister healing where they feel disrespected, okay? Go ahead and do these things, okay? How has their esteem been wounded in the past resulting in lack of lack of self-respect, okay? People have been wounded. People have been wounded in this world and they see themselves as useless, as unworthy, right? Uh, that's why they do unworthy things. The third pillar I want to talk about is self-worth, a sense of self-worth. This is that feeling of, I am comfortable with who I am despite my frailties and anecdotal behavior. I'm just comfortable with who I am, right? I know I'm worth a lot because of who I am before I've performed. I don't have to perform to then think I'm worth something, okay? My great performance is not the source of my worth but rather stems from my sense of worth. So I perform really well because of my sense of worth, not because I've actually performed, okay? Um, Nathaniel Brandon said, 
There is no greater barrier to romantic happiness. This is so powerful than the fear that I'm undeserving of love and that my destiny is to be hurt. Isn't that powerful? There's no greater barrier to romantic happiness than the fear that I'm undeserving of love and that my destiny is to be hurt. And many people are in this space, so they literally attract it into their lives because they're so hypervigilant looking for hurt, they actually end up finding it, okay? Let's have a look, God in action, right? The book of Psalms 139 verses 13 to 14, so powerful. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Isn't that powerful? This is worth you have while you're in your mother's womb before you've performed. In 1 John 4 verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus, okay? What this really is speaking of is that your self-confidence comes out of your self-worth, okay? We have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. As Christ is, so are we, okay? Some translations say it like that. It only happens when love is made complete. And unfortunately for a lot of people, love has not yet been made complete. They don't have a complete revelation of the love of God. The Bible tells us that perfect love drives out fear. So if you're afraid, it's indicative of the fact that you don't have a complete revelation of the love of God for you, okay? When love is fully made complete in your life, you're not afraid anymore. There's no fear. Love casts out fear. This is so powerful to understand that. Bible tells us that fear has to do with punishment. So as long as you're afraid of punishment because of unresolved guilt in your life, you will always be afraid. You will always be afraid. Fear is the antithesis of love. Love must be made complete in us. So I like what Dennis and Barbara Rainey say. Um, uh, so powerful in freedom to fail. Uh, release your spouse from the prison of performance with a golden key labeled freedom to fail, freedom to fail, okay? And unfortunately, with many of us, we don't give the people around us the freedom to fail. We don't give them that freedom to fail, okay? Um, we create a performance mindset in them, right? We celebrate them when they perform and we ignore them when they make a mistake. That's how we punish them. And there are many ways in which we punish our children, punish our spouses, subtle subconscious ways, okay? So here's some esteem builders. When you give me continual affirmation of my worth, okay? Outside any performance, you're just affirming that I'm special and that you cherish me, okay? When you're consistent in affection, even after I have failed, when you speak to me in a manner that does not shame or condescend, okay? When you demonstrate empathy and compassion, when you purchase something small for me, right? Something small and frivolous, right? That I wouldn't buy myself, okay? That reinforces a sense of worth, that self-worth. And here's the project I have for you. Write a paragraph or letter of positive words to your child, to the person you're mentoring or to your spouse, okay? And be very specific. Let it be a letter of praise. Let it be a letter of encouragement, appreciation, or a statement of belief in their dream, okay? Not yours, nothing to do with you. Read it to them and give it to them, 
so powerful, okay? So read it to them and then give them. So powerful, reinforcing a sense of worth. What I find amazing is that when Jesus was being baptized um, by John the Baptist, what did the voice from heaven say? Father God says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Father God was communicating love, my beloved son. That's where we get the name David from. It means beloved of God, okay? Uh, so Father God was communicating love, unconditional love, but also delight. He says, with whom I'm well pleased. And isn't it interesting? Jesus had not even performed any miracle but Father God was communicating delight. It's so important to randomly communicate delight to your children, okay? Where they know they're worth something, there's something special. That's why many kids are growing up today with such a sense of destiny. They know there's something special about them. Uh, to be honest with you, when I, when I was growing up, I knew there was something special about me. Not from an arrogant perspective, but I just knew I was special to God. And to be honest with you, it was largely because my parents reinforced that. They, they reinforced the fact that I would do something special in my life, okay? There's that sense of um, uh, worth that I had before I had performed. I think that's so amazing, okay? So <clears throat> the fourth pillar I want to talk about is a sense of security. This is a pillar of self-esteem, and it's a sense of security. It comes from a Latin word, securus which literally means without care, without care. I like to give my wife a hug and just say to her, this is home. I like to give her a hug and then she says, just tell me everything is gonna be okay. Let's say she's struggling with an injury or something like that. And I say to her, everything is gonna be okay. You know, like that Bob Marley song, every little thing is gonna be all right. Okay, that communicates a sense of security and you want your children to grow up feeling secure. How secure do you feel as a person? There are a lot of adults today who literally stress out the moment there's some kind of change. The moment their husband goes on a business trip, they're stressed out. They think he's going to die. They think they're going to be robbed. Okay, where does that come from? Let me tell you something. Fear is learned. Someone once said the only fear little babies have is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All other fears are learned. We learn them. And when you figure out how you learned that fear, it becomes easy for you to unlearn it. Okay. So when we're talking about a sense of security, it's that sense of without care or worry. I feel safe. Okay. Things will work out. Okay. Things will work out. Um, someone once said, with your spouse, with your wife, make her feel secure in your relationship and she will move mountains for you. She will move mountains for you. Let's have a look at God in action. In Proverbs 3, verse 25 to 26, the Bible says, Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Isn't that powerful? So you can literally walk and you know you're not going to trip over. Have no fear of sudden disaster. You know, the Bible elsewhere speaks of the righteous right? Not being afraid of receiving bad news. You know, some of you are bound by that. You're bound by the fear of evil tidings. So you're afraid of looking at your phone because you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? You panic when the phone rings, you know? When the phone rings, I want to be in a place where I'm thinking, oh, who's contacting me? Who wants my services? Who wants me to do this for them? Who wants to join the church? Okay, I want to think that way when the phone rings. I want to think that way when I open my mailbox. But for some of you, you are bound by the fear of evil tidings. Go and have a look at it in Psalm 112, okay? It says, the righteous shall not be afraid of receiving bad news, all right? 
Um, so you're secure. You're secure, right? Um, but the wicked are afraid. The wicked are afraid. In book of Psalms 27 verse 3, it says, Though an army besiege me, so you're surrounded by people who want to kill you, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, it's one thing to experience war around you. It's another thing for war to break out against you. Okay. Even then I will be confident, you know, despite Corona, despite loss of business that you might have experienced, despite um, health challenges that you might be going through, you remain confident. That's the type of security God wants to give us. And I'm telling you right now, with the people who are looking up to you, you play a role in shaping that in their lives. It doesn't just happen. I know some of you feel like, no, people must just go to the word of God for themselves and figure that out. No, we go to the word of God and we know that this is how God sees us, but the people around us reinforce that in us. Otherwise, God would not have given us family. Would have been these isolated individuals just doing our own thing. If he thought, hey, just they'll have the word and the word is enough. Okay, no, he see, he wants us to be living epistles that reinforce the word of God, right? Each time we're speaking, each time I'm relating to the people around me, I am seeing them how God sees them, and I'm speaking to them what God is saying to them right now concerning their lives. In Hebrews 4, verse 16, the Bible says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So God wants us to be secure in how we relate to him, okay? He wants us to be secure in our relationship with him, in our relationship with those around us. He wants us to be in this place of security. And have you noticed that it's nice to work with people who are secure? Have you noticed that it's difficult working with leaders who are insecure? Have you noticed that because they're insecure, they end up wounding the people around them? If you're not a secure person, secure in yourself, secure in your relationship with God, work on this thing. Feed yourself with the truth from God's word. I'm telling you right now, otherwise you wound the people around you and you will raise up people around you who are also insecure. You see, fear is infectious. Fear passes on. It passes on to the people around us. And here's some esteem builders. When you verbalize your commitment to me, it's important. It's important. Husbands, today, Give your wife a hug and just say, I'm here to stay. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. And watch what she becomes like. Watch what she, watch what she becomes like. Right. Uh, because some of the behavior that we see in our families today, it's because someone is feeling insecure. What do you do when you're feeling insecure? Okay. Think about that. Okay. When you pray for me in general, I feel secure. My wife feels secure in my relationship with her. I know it's largely because she knows that when Paul is praying, he's going to cover me in prayer. He's going to cover me in prayer. When you tell me how much you love me, we need to communicate love. And if you grew up in a family where that wasn't communicated, start doing it now. Break the cycle. Start new habits. When you're tender with me, when you listen with empathy, Right? That's so important. Listening with empathy. Uh, it comes from that word empathos, which literally means feeling into, feeling into. It's so powerful when you believe when you are relating to people who feel your pain. When you're saying, Oh, I'm I've got a sore knee, 
and you can see that they're like, ouch, oh, it must be terrible. When you say, I'm really stressed out because I don't have enough hours in a day to do X, Y, Z, and they feel with you. Okay, that's emotional empathy. So important. When you pray for me or get me medicine when I'm sick, okay, so you're sensitive to my ailments. When you kiss me hello or goodbye, you know, we want to be surrounded by people where we feel like they're going to miss us. You know, uh, one of the phrases my wife sometimes uses, she says, she says, so did you miss me? Let's say she was traveling somewhere and she was away. She wants to know, did you miss me like I missed you? She wants to know, is this relationship mutual, right? Or did you guys just carry on with what you were doing? Did the children miss me? When we communicate that, hey, they missed you. Hey, the boys were asking after you. Then she's like, oh, so I make a difference. Oh, so they feel my absence when I'm away. Hmm, that's nice. She feels more secure when we communicate that. So there are things we can do. When you kiss me hello or goodbye. When you verbally affirm my appearance. Oh, you look handsome. Oh, you look so beautiful, right? When you hug me affectionately. You know, it's one thing to be hugged like, uh, like a robot, you know, when people give you those robotic hugs, you know, or those church side hugs, okay? But with our loved ones, right, we want to hug them affectionately. You know, when someone gives you a squeeze like, oh, they really missed you, you know? Uh, when you comfort me, when you verbally affirm me in front of others, I feel secure. It's so important to do this. Do this to your spouse, right? in front of people, especially people of the opposite sex, so that they realize that, oh, okay, he really loves his wife. Oh, he's really attracted to his wife. He thinks she's beautiful and vice versa. Um, even if you're a shy person, learn to affirm your spouse in public, okay? To say, oh, look at my gorgeous husband who's just got up to give that presentation, okay? Uh, say that, show them off in front of people. It's so important, it makes them feel secure. When you proactively plan for the family's needs, what's happening? They feel secure because they know, oh, he's thinking in, in advance. She's planning. She's doing a meal plan for the week. We know we are covered. She's thinking of our needs. Okay. When you tuck me in bed, I know that that's one of the things um, at least two out of the three of my boys like. Okay. Um, Dad, when are you coming to say good night? I'm thinking, okay, come on, guys, you, you know, you're kind of like grown up now, you know, go and just sleep type of thing. But it does something. It makes them feel secure. Okay. When you assist me in problem solving. So I'm not trying to solve my problems on my own. When you show me that I come first before your work, before your friends and before your hobbies. Okay. That's what they want. I still remember years ago, my firstborn Samuel saying to me something so powerful. He said, um, uh, dad, how come you going away? Uh, I was going to do a talk to some, um, give a talk to some entrepreneurs and he had soccer. Uh, he had football that Saturday morning he says, dad, how come it's only mom coming to watch me play soccer and not you? Okay. And I said, oh, I've got to speak to some very important people. You know, I'm speaking to these uh, business leaders and so on. Dad, can't someone else do that? And then you can come to my soccer, right? What is he communicating? He's communicating, I only have one dad. I only have one dad. There's no clone of you, okay? You, you can't delegate this, okay? 
uh, and it's so important to communicate this type of security, to give them this type of security so that they know they come first. They come first. I'm talking about our loved ones. And sadly, if many of us are honest, we dress nicely, talk nicely for our clients, but we give our loved ones our leftovers, as I mentioned last week. Here's a security project that you can work on. Make a list of your spouse or children's insecurities. Okay, make a list of where they're insecure, right? Where do you think these things come from? Write that out. Where do you think these things come from? What can you do to minister healing in these areas? Okay, so if you've got a spouse who doesn't think they're that attractive or they look beautiful, are you going the extra mile to show them that you see them that way? You think they're gorgeous, okay? Um, that's so, so important. Let's talk about the fifth pillar of self-esteem, and that's a sense of significance. I really like this. I really like this. It's that feeling of, I matter. I contribute. I can make a difference, okay? And uh, it's so, so crucial. You know that sometimes the reason why people are late for meetings, it's because they don't feel significant. And as a leader, instead of just reprimanding them and saying, why were you late? Why were you late? Sometimes you can actually communicate a sense of significance to them to show them that they make a difference. Hey, it's really great in this meeting uh, when you are present because you um, help us with your great analytical skills. So we missed that today. Uh, what, are, what are you doing? You're communicating a sense of significance that we miss you when you're absent and you start finding the person starts coming early. Okay, uh, so powerful. Uh, Dennis and Barbara Rainey said, true significance is found as we invest in a cause that will outlive us. You see, when you feel significant as a person, you end up rising up and doing things that actually matter. Are you communicating significance? Okay. A lot of people, especially people in large families, you find that sometimes they think they're just a number, right? They feel like they're just a number. They feel like, oh, I'm just a, a middle child. You know, they're parented with the herd mentality. They're not given that individualized attention. You know, you can have a big family and give each child individualized attention. It's so important. It's actually a leadership quality. It's a mark of a transformational leader. Transformational leaders actually give their followers individualized attention. It's so important, okay? Let's see this in scripture. Matthew 10, 29 to 31, so powerful. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, right? So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. For me, that's so significant because it shows me that the reason why we often are afraid, that's why it says, don't be afraid. The reason why we're often afraid is we don't know our significance in God, right? There, there are many billions of people that God has created, yet you are significant. He knows the number of hairs on your head, okay? Uh, Matthew 18, verse 12. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? That's how God sees you. My question is, are you reinforcing this to your children? Are you reinforcing this to your loved ones around you, that they are special? Are you cherishing them? I love that word cherish, right? In Genesis 1:26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. 
That's how significant you are. You've been made in God's image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You know what the sad thing is? The sad thing is many people are being treated like animals today. Yet God says, go and rule over the animals. Yet God says, go and take charge. You have stewardship over all of creation. God is literally saying that to us. And yet here we are treating people like they're animals. You know, some people will actually treat you bet, uh, wor worse. Wor they treat you worse than they treat their animals. That's sad. That's sad. How are you treating the people around you? How are you speaking to your parents? Those of you who are children, are you cherishing them and making them feel significant? They're practical ways of doing so. You know, when your dad arrives home, when your mom arrives home, do you stop what you're doing and just communicate delight? Or are you indifferent? You know, one of the key things we can learn to do in our families today is to communicate delight. I remember um, just the other day I arrived, I'd gone on a run, got back when it was dark. And my wife said to me, they were watching a program and she just said to me, you know what, supper is ready, but uh, we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you to come down. Okay, and she allowed me to shower and came down. As soon as I got downstairs, we had dinner. And what she was communicating was honor. And she actually said that the kids, because the kids were getting a bit hungry and they were now like, you know what, I want to eat now. And they're looking for food and so on. And she said, you know, we're going to honor your father. Now, I'm not saying this has to happen as a law every single day, but that's the space she was in. And she wanted to honor me by um, everyone, even the hungry people waiting for me. And we get a lot of... Um, yeah, we've got a lot of hungry kids in our home um, and certain things happen when they're hungry. OK, um, so esteem builders, when you invite me to watch a TV program with you or a movie, you know, just that act of actually saying, you know what? I want to watch this, but I'm going to wait for you so we can watch it together. OK, and then when you pitch up, they explain to you, let's say you, you pitch up late. They explain to you what has happened so far. You feel significant. You feel like, oh, I'm noticed. Okay, as opposed to, you know, you just have to figure out what's going on in the movie, right? When you take me on a date, this is something a lot of us have to still work on, you know? I was thinking to myself, oh, I need to work on that uh, a bit uh, and, and improve in terms of with my, with my wife. One of the things she's good at, uh, Trace, is taking the kids on dates, okay? That's also important. They feel significant. When you willingly offer to do menial tasks, even when they are my chore to do, okay? When you inspire me to dream, okay? When you dream with me, you know, one of the saddest things in a lot of marriages today is some people feel like, you know what, it's just about his dreams, not mine. You know those people where you, you say a little bit about your dream, but the conversation always goes back to the other person's thing, okay? Whatever's on their mind at the time. They can't concentrate fully unless it's got something to do with them, okay? I want to encourage you, make your spouse feel significant by celebrating their dreams and asking them follow through questions concerning their dreams and being aware of what their dreams are and, and doing some research around that. Isn't it so awesome when your spouse comes to you and says, you know what, remember you were talking about this thing and this idea you had a few days ago? Yeah, I actually just browsed the internet a bit and uh, this is what I came up with concerning that. You feel so encouraged. Oh, you know what? I was just praying about that thing that you mentioned the other day and the Lord started speaking to me. And this is what I think concerning that thing. You feel like, man, this person thinks about me 
when I'm not present, you know? Whereas with a lot of people, it's out of sight, out of mind. You kind of have this feeling of they never think about you throughout the day until you call them, right? Uh, so that's something for us to work on. When you're fully present, when I'm speaking to you. You see, when we're always on our phones, right? And we are distracted and we're multitasking. When the kids are speaking to us, when our spouse is speaking to us, do you know what you're really communicating? You're really communicating to them that what you are doing is more important than them. You're really saying to them, you're not that important. And sadly, many children today are internalizing that. They're like, you know what? My dad is always busy. Okay. Rather, when you get home from work, if you still have work to do, go and do a bit of it and then put your phone on charge, put it on flight mode. I promise you the sky is not going to fall. And then when you're engaging with your family, you are fully present. If you're not doing that, guess what? You're actually eroding their esteem in this area. Don't be surprised later on when you're saying, come on, launch out, start a business. And you've got this 25-year-old who hasn't got confidence, who doesn't feel significant, who's not dreaming big. It's because of what climate, of the climate that you created when they were growing up. Simple as that. Okay, no excuses. Okay, so when you're fully present with me, right, you're fully present when I'm speaking to you. When you remind me of something in my world that I'd forgotten to do. When you join me for a recreational activity that you don't like as much, okay? My wife knows, you know, her love tank goes up when I join her for a run, for example, okay? I'll have my own runs here and there and so on, run at my own pace, do my own thing. But when I join her for a run, even if I don't feel like going at that particular time, it does something to her. She feels significant because she knows I'm doing something I didn't feel like doing, right? And I'm going a route that I might not have felt like going, right? But I'm doing it because I love her. When you don't smother me, when you read to me, when you buy me a gift, when you give me a card with a message, when you make me coffee or tea, okay? When you ask me follow-through questions, when you place value on my dreams, not just your own. This is so powerful, you know? Recently, uh, my wife was blown away when little Daniel, uh, not little anymore, but you know, young Daniel, our third born, just out of the blue made us some tea. She was like, in this household, uh, people hardly make me tea. It's a very rare occasion. I'm always making tea and coffee for everyone. So it was so precious when Daniel did it. And then I was inspired by Daniel and I did the same thing a couple of days later. And she was like, oh, that cup of tea was so nice. It helped her to feel significant. It helped her to feel this relationship is mutual. It's not just me sacrificing for my family, but they're also doing things for me. So it doesn't have to be a big thing, but it's in the small things. Here's a project that boosts people's significance. What does your child or your spouse or your team member do differently when they feel that they are very significant as a person? What do they do differently? What do they become like? Okay. Now, what can you do this week that will reinforce their sense of significance? What can you do this week that will reinforce their sense of significance? Do it. Do it. Do it. The sixth and final pillar that we're going to talk about is self-acceptance. This is so important. This is that feeling of, I belong. I am lovable just as I am. I am accepted just as I am. I am accepted by you, warts and all. 
And we see this so powerfully in scripture, don't we? In Ephesians 2 verse 10, the Bible says, for we are God's handiwork. Some translations say, for we are God's workmanship. Okay, God's workmanship. Poema, his work of art. Okay, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he prepared these works before we had performed. Okay, and we were created by God. God doesn't make junk. Okay, and when you accept how God made you, how he wired you, how you look physically, when you accept these things, you go out into the world as a secure person. You see, um, when you are insecure with regards to self-acceptance, you will be addicted to approval from people around you. You will want people to validate you, to communicate that acceptance. But you see, when I know that God has already accepted me, I go out with confidence, wanting to welcome and accept other people. And I'm not focused on myself. I'm not thinking, are they going to like me? Am I dressed appropriately? Did I speak nicely or not? Okay. That's the kind of person who's not strong on self-acceptance. Okay. I don't get sensitive when you criticize me because I've already accepted myself. Okay. So your criticism of me, I can look at you and I can just take it at face value instead of being sensitive about it or being defined by how you see me. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Above all, love each other deeply. Oh, I love that, deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. You see, when you truly love someone, you can look at them and think they're flawless, right? <laughs> you can look at them and think they're flawless. Why? Because the love is so uh, intoxicating right? You don't notice all their flaws. And the moment you notice a flaw, you're aware of the fact that you also do that thing. So love covers a multitude of sins, right? And we must love each other deeply, deeply. When you're very critical toward the people around you, often it's a sign of a lack of love. It's a sign that your love has grown cold. Think about it. If you are critical towards the people around you, it's a sign that your love for that person has grown cold, Simple as that, okay? Um, so let's go a bit deeper into this. In, the, in Song of Songs, in Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon is sometimes called, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says this, You're altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Okay? So he saw his darling as flawless. Why? He saw her as extremely beautiful. Why? Because of his love for her. Right? And that just reinforces self-acceptance. The person doesn't have to strive anymore. They don't have to try to be perfect to gain your acceptance. Um, in Romans 9 verse 20, the Bible says, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? You know what this shows me? It actually shows me that it's a biblical command. Right? It's actually a biblical command that I should accept myself. I shouldn't question, Lord, why have you given me this, this gift and not the other gift? Lord, why do you make me look like this and not like that? Okay? I must actually not question how my creator made me. Why am I this color and not that color? Okay? Learn to like yourself. Some of you must learn to like yourself. Are there things that can change about us? Of course there are things that can change about you. you know? Of course there are things that you can do. Right. So the things that you can change, of course, go ahead and change them. Right. If you are not eating right 
and because of that you're too overweight of course there are things you can do you can't just say oh i was born like this okay but there's certain things about us we can't change okay you can't change uh what your nose looks like okay nowadays you can get a nose job i guess you know but you don't you don't have to spend money on things like that just embrace who you are embrace yourself okay this is me this is what i'm like now there's some esteem builders here uh for you when you communicate acceptance of my imperfect past okay that reinforces self acceptance when you laugh at my jokes and my anecdotal behavior right uh, when you when you play my favorite songs you're showing that hey this is what you like let me play it for you when you take into consideration my recreational preferences right even if it's something you don't enjoy when you allow me to be myself okay when you allow me to be myself so important are you allowing the people around you to be themselves or are they trading on eggshells trying to be liked by you and so they no longer being authentic okay when you value me as a powerful human being with my own unique taste my own unique taste in the clothes i wear my hairstyle you know uh sport food movies my sense of humor instead of mocking me for laughing you know sometimes that happens in families you laugh at a particular thing and people are like that's not even funny why are you laughing because i found it funny celebrate my uniqueness celebrate my uniqueness okay and here's a project for you to do list any differences between you and your loved ones that continually bother you what are some of those differences okay now what else could be true what else could be true begin to celebrate those differences how are these actually strengths that are sometimes being overused or overextended so maybe you are bothered because you've got a child who talks too much and tells you every single detail of their stories maybe it's a strength overused celebrate the strength say to that child man you're such a good storyteller look at the amount of detail you remember just learn sometimes that some of that detail isn't always relevant and sometimes it takes away from your storyline but man wow the way you remember such detail is just awesome amazing okay can you see what you're doing and if you choose to focus on that maybe it won't irritate you as much as it's currently irritating you okay pray for your spouse that the strengths of these traits would manifest more not the overuse but the actual strengths and you can do this you pray for your spouse you pray for your child you pray for that person you're mentoring who annoys you who irritates you a lot okay pray that the strength not the overuse of the strength okay pray that that is what manifests more okay ask yourself why do these things push my buttons why are they pushing my buttons and then begin to thank god for the strengths associated with that particular overuse that bothers you okay do you need to repent of any judgments that you have made or inappropriate reactions that you've had out of pride and self-righteousness okay repent of that and then begin to celebrate that individual and reinforce their self-acceptance i want to encourage you to go on this journey to download the notes uh, it's so powerful when you actually do some of these exercises that's where the change happens let's go ahead and begin to uh be strong practitioners when it comes to identity formation for our children for our loved ones around us and let's put these things into practice let's pray father may you help us with these pillars of self esteem 
May you show us, Father, how we can literally reinforce and boost the self-esteem of those around us. Father, may you help us to build a sense of self-efficacy in people around us, a sense of significance, a sense of self-acceptance, a sense of security, a sense of self-worth, Lord, a sense of self-respect. Help us to boost these things in the people around us. Show us what we can do to shape their future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I encourage you to continue joining us for prayer. Uh, thanks to those of you who started joining us throughout the week. Just go onto our website and you'll see the details there. Uh, we've got lots of prayer meetings throughout the week. Let's keep growing together. Let's keep believing God. Let's keep uh, praying together for that new venue, that land that we are believing God for. Let's pray strong prayers in agreement. God is doing an exciting thing in this season of our lives. Please share these messages that you are learning from. Share them with other people. Teach other people these principles. You've got access to the notes and uh, you retain things better when you teach them. God bless you. Have powerful conversations around this in your homes. In Jesus' name. Amen.